facilities for children, for instance, need to be significantly improved. I'm just going to say it the way it is. We did, we did some things over there to make it nice, and it's not, but they need to be significantly improved. There are things that need to be done if we are going to attract families with young children into our fellowship. Now, the first thing people will say, well, the Holy Spirit will bring you here. Okay, that's great. We've got things that we have to do here with that. And why are we here? Let's go open up a tent outside. That's all that matters. Yeah, it matters a little bit. People have certain expectations. Rightly or wrongly, that's for us to discuss. That is not in debate that there are expectations. Our facility for student and youth ministry is, and again, I hate to even say this, but really the facility, it's non-existent at this point. We don't have one. Not really don't want one. We don't have the place for it. We gotta have something cool, something that is something the kids want to come to and hang out, and then they get comfortable, and the gospel's gonna come into their lives. We want to attract young families with teenagers. We want our teenagers to be looking forward to the experience they have each week when they go in that place. So now, if this is not your thing today, I understand. I understand that. But the expectations of people who need God may not be, and I believe, maybe even in most cases, will not necessarily be what our expectations are. And we have to be aware of that. Now, I want to make it clear, and you're going to hear today why I'm not talking about that's what builds a church. That's not what builds a church. Places, facilities, things but it's necessary. It's necessary. And, and we've got to address it. We've got to deal with it. I'm sorry. Excuse me. That's why we are doing Next Step. That's why. That and more reasons that I can't talk about now. But now there's more. I'll share a little bit more about this next week. But I'm going to encourage you. Please. Please. Be here next Sunday. Don't let anything keep you from being here next Sunday. This is an opportunity. Now, nobody's going to be there forcing anybody to do anything. But I, I encourage you from the bottom of my heart, and I'm asking you to please be here next Sunday. It's important. Pastor said earlier, solidarity. And as he said to him, I just want to say this last thing. Next step is not about how much money you can give. It's about being involved. It's about making a sacrifice. And I don't know what that is. It's different for everyone. And I'm never worried about how much one person giving like Pastor said. I don't know. We do that by, is there's intention behind that. Because we don't need to know. What we want to know, though, is that everybody is in. That we see the reasoning. And that because of what we will be able to do by making the sacrifices that God's leading you to do, not what I'm asking you to do, not what Pastor Bill's asking you to do, but that God's leading you to do, He will honor that in your life. Do you believe that? The sacrifices you make for this next step program, He will honor that in your life. And that's just the, I just wanted to cover that because I feel like it's important with next Sunday coming up. And again, I just strongly encourage you to be there. So thank you for being here this morning. How about this? Now, if there's ever a question of who are the faithful people in our church, who are they? The ones that come out in the rain, right? <laughs> Not that you're the only ones, but God bless you for doing that. Because I, I get it. 
And after the service, we will be lining up here two by two, coming right out the door, and there's a big boat that's going to pull up. <laughs> I've told that before, and I think you laughed the last time, so if I tell it again, keep laughing just to humor me, okay? When it rains, that's my go-to rain joke. Anyway, I love you guys. Glad to be here today. And I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about building a relevant church. A relevant church is not the things that I just spoke about before, by the way. I'll touch on that a little bit. And as I looked to the scripture, as I was thinking about this, I was looking at, there are many qualities in all of the early churches that we can look to that made them relevant. But they also struggled with a lot of issues over time. That's like most churches do. Different things you have to deal with. When I was reading Paul's letter to the Colossians, I couldn't help but like this gathering of people. Those guys, man, I, I just I felt a, a, a connection with them as I was preparing for this. And I wonder sometimes if I had shown up at one of their gatherings, if I was walking down the streets of Colossae, wearing my, I don't know, what would I wear, a robe, sandals, and I was walking around the streets and hanging out. I heard this little bit of commotion over here, and I was like, what's going on over there? And I just stumbled into that gathering. What would I find? And I think what I would find is, and, and what encouraged me about this, is I would find a group of believers passionate about Jesus. And I would be surrounded with these things, and more, I'm sure. I'd be surrounded with the love that they would be expressing to me, even though they didn't know me. That's what I believe those guys would do. I believe that it would be such an overwhelming feeling of hope for eternity and the hope that we have in our relationship with God, that it would, be, that it would just be obvious amongst them. And the other thing I know, and I know this certainly about it, that I could not walk into that gathering, stumble into that gathering, and there not be at least one and maybe more than one people that would come to me, right to me, and make sure that I understood who Jesus was, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that he was raised from the dead for me. That's what they do. And I think that's cool. They were an amazing, now again, they had some issues. Paul was writing to them in a lot of this about issues that they had, and he was offering them spiritual guidance and, and all that. But but they were an amazing and what I believe relevant group. Do we have that pointer in here? Yes. The, the church at Colossae was not the coolest one of all the church. I'm going to show you why. So I was looking at this. I was thinking, man, okay, so now here's the church at Corinth. Here's the church at Thessalonica. Here's the church at Philippi. Okay. Here's the church of Ephesus. Do you notice that all of these are on the Mediterranean Sea? Wouldn't you rather be on the water, right? That's what <laughs> I mean, all of those churches were in cities that were on the Mediterranean. I don't know if you've ever seen that or seen a picture of it. It's beautiful. Here's Colossae. <laughs> in the what is Turkey. There it is right there. I was like, of all the ones that you, you know, Maybe that's why Paul never went there. I don't know. He was writing this letter from prison. But I just thought, you know, of all the churches, but again, I got so much out of this, and this is what I want to share with you today. Some things about this church that made them relevant. One of the things that I think Paul said right at the beginning in chapter 1 is verse 3. says this, 
we always pray for you and we give thanks to God. We always pray for you and give thanks to God. And I was wondering, well, what is he giving thanks for? And I believe one of the things he was giving thanks for is that this church was a relevant church. And I'll tell you why. Why was it a relevant church? This next verse in verse 6, it goes there. And this is, there's many things, but I could tell you this one thing here. Or I want to read you this one thing here from, from verse 6. All of this is in the first chapter of Colossians where I'm at today. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The fact that the church was bearing fruit and experiencing life change amongst themselves and amongst others that they were reaching out to made it relevant. That's one of the things that made it relevant. And I think the things I'm going to discuss with you today can absolutely be modeled and multiplied and used here in Clay County just as they did in the first century. So what made the Colossian church relevant? Okay, there's, there's a few things. Here's one of them. The first thing is an absolute belief in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. That was They absolutely believed that. They were all in on that. There was no question amongst that group of believers. I'm not saying there weren't. Issues. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about the core. Not the people that were trying to figure out what was going on and coming in to see. I'm talking about the core. Those people, and there's many of those type of people in our church represented here today, absolutely believe without any question that Jesus Christ was the risen Savior. Who believes that? Clap your hands. All right. That's us. We believe that. They believe that. And Paul said this in verse 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. One of the things he was thankful for. Paul was recognizing this group, this group at the, at the church, the Colossians gathering, he was recognizing them for fully embracing and fully uh, accepting the life, the ministry, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. They believed it all. They were in. That made them relevant. Everyone and accepted Jesus, what he did on the cross. And the first foundational stone of any relevant church has to be that its core of the group that's there has an absolute belief that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. Is that us? That's us. That's good. Acts 4.12 says this, and there is salvation in no one else. Say that. No one else. That means there is no other way. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So if the people in this fellowship here at First Assembly believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation, we are well on our way to becoming and to being a relevant church. Now, some people might say, well, being saved is the only thing that matters, right? That's the only thing. That's the only relevant thing is that you're saved. Well, I agree. It is an essential thing. Of course, if, that, if, you're, if that's not happening, then, then everything else doesn't matter. It is an essential thing, but I would submit to you there are some other things to consider. Like in a foundation, there are various layers and various things that go along with that. That is the most primary thing, absolute belief. But the other thing this church did and was known for is the love for all of God's people. They loved, this church loved 
They were known for that. And Paul said that, verse 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Now I want you to look at that word all. I put it all in caps and in bold. And say that with me. All. And you know what all means. That means all. <laughs> I've looked it up. In every translation, in every, in the Greek, there is no ambiguity there. That word is intentional. It's there for a reason. All God's people. That's what these guys did. They were known for that. They were a relevant church because they loved all God's people. It was a loving church. This is a loving church. Do you believe this is a loving church? I believe absolutely. Absolutely. Feel free to applaud. not going to bother me. I know it's not for me. This is a loving church. But you know what? As a loving church or as a loving believer, we can always increase the love that we have to give to others. Do you believe that? It's not that we've arrived. Yes, we love. That's it. We're here. No, we can let through God working in our lives can become more and more able to love in the way he wants us to do that. And, and again, the answer to this is very clear. Why were they so loving? Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit. Talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit. Here it comes, right here. Verse 8. He has told us, and that's referring to Epaphras. He is, he's saying to, uh, uh, to Paul, he was, he was communicating with him, about the love for others that the that the has given you. The love that he, the Holy Spirit, has given you. See, these believers being filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of God through the Holy Spirit working in their lives, was able, they were able to distribute that amongst themselves. They were able to exchange that with those that they came in contact with. That love. It's not something that just happens automatically. You know what I mean? If it does for you, please tell me how you do that, because that's not how we're wired as human beings. It has to be God working through us. And I believe to truly share the love of God to one another in our community, we need to fully receive the love of God. What do I mean by that? God's love for us is unconditional. You know that? Okay. God's love for us is unconditional. I've preached about this before. It's pursuing us. God's love is coming at us 24-7, 365, and there is nothing we can do to stop it. His, he loves us all the time. You can't turn the faucet of God's love off. It doesn't work that way. Here is a difference, though. We have to accept his love fully into our lives. You see that? It's coming our way. But there are many people in this world who decide not to accept it or receive it. And so for us to be God-like in our love for others, we have to fully embrace, fully accept that. And I'm going to tell you this. See, it's easy, and I'm speaking for myself, but I think there's probably others that would fall into this category. It's easy for us to love the people we like. Right? See, so, for instance, like, I mean, it's easy for me to love Bob because I like him. It's not so easy for me to love Walter because I'm not so sure about him. <laughs> I love you, man, and you know that. No, but here's the thing. You, you, you have a, a, that's not what it is because that's the easy part. That's what comes natural, okay? What about the people?
deserve it. Do you think there are people in your life that don't deserve love from you? Now, come on, be honest. Don't say it like, well, I can't say that because I have to love everybody. No, there's people that don't deserve Look, I don't deserve God's love. You don't deserve God's love. There are people that might not technically, as you look at it, deserve it, but here's the deal. Okay, His love is for us unconditional. We need to look at it that way. And so if we're going to do that, we have to love the people who have wronged us. We have to love the people who have, at our workplace, stabbed us in the back. Anybody ever had that happen to them? I have. We have to love the people who who wrongfully accuse us of things. We have to love people who lie about us. Had anybody ever had somebody tell a lie about you, something that's not true? Yes, I have. It's okay. Guess why? Because, I, you know, it, it's okay because I can love them. Not on my own. No way can I do it. I can't do that. I'm not wired that way. But let me tell you, this is why leading a spirit-led life, and the word I like to use is a spirit-controlled life. When you are under the control of the Holy Spirit, these things start to change the way you look at things. And that love that we referred to earlier that the Holy Spirit, that Paul was saying that the Holy Spirit has given you to fill your hearts. That's when you can love the unlovable. That's when you can love the undeserved. That's when you can love all these, love through, I should say, love through all these things that shouldn't really be the beneficiary of your love. You've got to fully accept and receive God's love. Romans 5, 5 says this. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the to fill our hearts with his love. You see how the Holy Spirit fits into all this? Having a spirit-led, spirit-controlled life is going to help you. We know how he loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with the love that we need to exchange and to distribute amongst ourselves and amongst others we come in contact with. I'm going to tell you what, a, 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 you know, a relevant church looks like a loving church. I believe we're a loving church, but I believe we're always got to be looking at that. But let me tell you what a loving church doesn't look like. I'm just going to j- jump off to this for a second. I was going to skip this, but I'm not. A loving church, a relevant church, does not have cliques. You know what a clique is? I'm not talking about a little mouse that you have on a computer. <laughs> you guys know what cliques are. Let me declare something to you. This church doesn't have cliques. Praise God! This church doesn't have cliques. But let me tell you what the enemy will try to do as new people come into our fellowship and as we may grow. He's going to try to do that. You want to make somebody not love you? Get in a click. You want to not love people the way you need to love them? Get in a click. I'm going to say this. And, and, that, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. First of all, I'm going to say that I don't believe we have that in our church. I thank God for it. I have prayed and thank God for that. This church. But if it ever happens, I'm just going to say, if you ever perceive that it is, now be, be responsible about this, I'd say. But if you ever perceive or even feel like Maybe there is something like that developing or forming or that you've noticed. Don't go to leadership with that. Don't go to somebody else with it. Go to the leadership.
leadership of this church. That's not just me. That's not just Pastor Bill. That'd be okay if you talk to me, but it might even be better if you go to other people who are in leadership in this church. You know who they are. Okay, if you don't ask somebody. Go to them and tell them. We'll deal with that spiritually, properly, and in order, and we'll deal with it because I'm going to say this last thing. Clicks and favoritism in the body of Christ is not of God. Clicks and favoritism in the body of Christ is not of God. Enough said. Paul said this again. Your love for all God's people, that excludes no one. Here's the other thing about that. I've used this in my life and I'll give it to you and see if you do. And maybe you already have done this. When you have a struggle with somebody, somebody's done something to you and you've been offended or you've been wrong and all that, it happens. It's going to happen. Try to see them the way God sees them. Try to see them the way God sees them. Because thank God he sees me clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because if he saw me any other way, that'd be messed up. If he can see me the way he sees me after all I've done and all the things that have happened in my life and still bless me and love me and just be there for me, I can do that for others. I can do that. See people that you're struggling with, having these issues with, see them as God sees them. Try that. Here's another thing that makes the church relevant. Made this church, gathering of the Colossians, the hope of heaven. Now, in verse 4, it was saying, they were talking about your faith in, Paul saying, your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all God's people. And then it says in verse 5 this, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Don't underestimate the power of hope. We are in a hopeless world, people. And to make yourselves relevant, it's not about lights on a stage. It's not about all the things. There's a lot of things that those are important and they're needed in some ways. But that's not what makes you relevant. What makes you relevant is communicating the message of hope that we find in Jesus Christ. That we see the hope of heaven. They were consumed by that in this church. Where do we find our hope? We find it, of course, we know where our hope comes from, all that, we know hope is in the Lord. But really, the way we're going to keep that hope alive in our hearts is in the Word of God. The hope is in the Word of God. You'll find it there, and I'm telling you, we need a daily dose of the Word of God in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, if there was a physician, and probably some of you, well, actually, I know some that do physician that had prescribed some medication to you, uh, perhaps you have high blood pressure, or maybe you have some other issues where you need a medication, that's okay. And he prescribed a medication to you, you're going to take the dose of that medication every day, aren't you? Or, or aren't you? Maybe some people say, well, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But let me just say, if you're blood pressure medication, if you have that prescribed to you by a physician, please take it. Because by not doing that, you are potentially putting your physical health at risk. So take it. Now there's a great physician. We all know who he is, right? The great physician has prescribed things to us. One of the things he's prescribed to us is that we 
consume the Word of God into our lives on a daily basis. I want to make that clear. Daily basis. We have to do that just as if we were taking that medication because if we don't, then our spiritual health is at risk. I'm not saying how much or how long. I'm saying discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. Do it daily. Here's one way you can do it. I should not say this the only way. But one way you can do it, how many people drive in a car at least somewhere every day, most every day? Maybe going back and forth to work, to go to the grocery store, to do whatever. You're in a vehicle. Maybe you're in a vehicle, somebody driving you. Okay? Have you ever heard of the, the, the Bible's on uh, audio now? You can do it on your phone if you have a smartphone. If not, ask me. I'll show you exactly how to do it. I'll show you a couple places to go to. There's other things you can do. If not, if you want a CD player, put a CD in your, in your CD uh, apparatus in your car. There are... Plenty of places, very inexpensively, to get the Word of God on CD. I am encouraging you today on a daily basis, use that time between point A and point B and from point B back to point A to put the Word of God in the spirit of your life. Use it. Now, there's times that you're going to need to be quiet before the Lord and spend some time with Him. If that's five minutes, then do it. Just do it every day. That's the spiritual discipline. I encourage you to do that. And here's why. If the Word of God is absent in our lives, I'll show you this. Hopelessness will arise. We'll say that one more time. If the Word of God is absent in our lives, hopelessness will. It's going to happen, guys. You want the hope? Put the Word of God in your life every day. It breathes life into your spirit. You don't want hopelessness to be around. Have you ever heard the term, apple a day keeps the doctor away? (laughs) I got one for you. A dose of God's word every day keeps the pain away. A dose of God's word every day keeps the anger away. A dose of God's word allows me to walk in forgiveness today. A dose of God's word every day keeps temptation at bay. Yes! It's the word of God living and breathing inside of us that allows us to live lives of victory here on earth. I encourage you with that. Don't miss your dose today. Dose yourself (laughs) with the Word of God every day. And you will be surprised how many things in your life it keeps away. That's a fact. So here's one other stone about building a relevant church. This one's huge. Very quickly. Grace of God. The grace of God fully revealed. Now, everybody knows what the grace of God is. Here it is again in verse 6. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. One thing our church needs to be careful about is something that's out there in the, in the church world now. And really not just out in some fringe groups or cult things. You know, it's in the evangelical stream. It's called hyper-grace. Anybody ever heard of that? Hyper-grace. 
hyper-grace. People that embrace hyper-grace think that, well, since Jesus died for my sins, I'm covered, that's it. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to grow. I don't need to bear fruit. I don't need to do those things. But let me tell you, hyper-grace has no concept of how much our salvation costs. You know how I know that? Because when we fully understand the value of grace, and let me just call that for a second, valuable grace. When we understand the value of grace, we realize the difference. You see, valuable grace is the polar opposite of hyper-grace. The price Jesus paid for me and for you to live, to be forgiven, to walk in in His presence is so huge, is so substantial that we should never do anything other than want to grow, want to bear fruit. We, we, we can't look at it any other way. It's essential. And I look at it like this. I look at it What Jesus did for me. And I just I dwell on that. I think, man, what he did, all that pain and suffering, not just of the physical torture, but the weight of the sin of every sin that had ever been committed and ever will have been committed was on his shoulders. And he did it for me. And he did it for you. And when I think about that, and I think about that cost, I think about that and say, this guy, this guy, Jesus, I want to know more about him. I want to know more about him. He did that for me. I want to know about this dude. What is it about him? I need to learn about him. That's growing. That's life change. And not only that, we talk about bearing fruit. When I think about what Jesus did for me and what he did for you, I don't just want to get to know. I want to know more about what in the world this guy did all that. I want to know more about him. The next thing I want to do is I want to be more like him. Think about that. Think about what he did for you and then ask yourself, do I want to know more about Jesus? That's growing. Do I want to be more like him? That's fruit bearing. The answer to those things should be yes. First Peter said it like this, that the ransom was not paid with mere gold and silver, which would lose its value. It was prayed for with the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless and spotless lamb of God. Think about that. Ask yourselves, do I want to know more about him? Do I want to be more like him? If you want to be a relevant church in 2018, we need to fully understand the extraordinary value of God's grace. And for time, I'm going to skip to this last part here. I'll come back to that maybe next week about what the church at Colossae was in terms of disciples that were committed to life.
say this last thing. Relevant churches, if you want to build a relevant church, we've talked about some ways, not always to build it today, are not going to be found in cool logos, nice graphics, lighting, cool staging, great music, guitar players, all of that. I think all of those things have their place and are important, by the way, to attract and to have a, 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 an environment that, that is attractive. And that's some of the things we want to address, just as children's ministry and youth ministry, and next step, how important that is. But that's not what makes you relevant. What makes you relevant is knowing that Jesus Christ is the absolute answer to everything that this world faces today. What makes us relevant is that we will love everyone, all of God's people with no exception. What makes us relevant is that we are consumed with the idea that the way we live our lives and operate here on this earth for this short period of time that we are here is then knowing that there is a hope that wells up in our lives, that the Word of God feeds and brings forth of a hope spent in eternity with Him. It is understanding the value of grace. And as a result of all of those things, us getting to know Him and being more like Him. My encouragement to you today is to do that. And if we want to build a... And I, I want to say, we are a relevant church today. Don't think I'm saying that you're saying, we're not a relevant church, we need to become one. No, that's not what I'm saying. We are a relevant church. But we need to be more relevant in every single day that passes by. Because whether we like it or not, or whether we agree with it or not, the culture and the times and the things change. We're not going to conform to the culture. We're going to transform the culture. And we're going to do it by being relevant. And the way to be relevant is to be true to this book right here, to what it says, and to the models and the examples and the things that I've shared with you today about the church at Colossae, those gathering of people, the Colossians that were so cool. Like I said, I'd love to have been able to have gone in there and just see how they loved on me, how they shared Christ with me, how they experienced that hope of the future and just the excitement and passion of it all. That's how you build a relevant church. You want to build a relevant church, do that. So let me go to this. Relevant churches are built on people who know that God has done something powerful in their lives and God is doing something in their lives today. See, he's a relevant God. He's not a God of the first century when this church was formed. He's the God of 2018. And he is as relevant, if not more relevant today than he was then. But they're built on people when God's done something powerful in their lives and God is continuing to work in their lives. That's where I was encouraging you today. Get into the Word every day. Have that spiritual discipline. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and fill your hearts, as Paul said, with love. He'll do it. So are we a relevant church? Yes. Can we be more relevant? Yes. It's not an either or thing. We either are relevant or you're not. It's not that. We need to continue to strive to be that. And in order to be a relevant church, this last thing I want to share with you here is this. We need to be a body of relevant relevant believers, I've talked about some of the things that make us and that form us and that shape us that way with the Holy 
Spirit working in and through us in a Spirit-led life. And what I would say is a Spirit-controlled life, the more that happens, the more relevant we become. Amen? The more the Spirit of God is working in our lives and controlling the things that we do, the more relevant we become. That's the truth. The less that happens is the converse of that. The less that's happening in our lives, the less relevant we become. Hmm. I'm just going to ask you this. Would you stand with me, please, as we close? I just want to ask you to just think about these. I've got a few quick questions. Are we pleasing the Lord in every way that we can? Are we growing in the knowledge of God? Are we bearing fruit in every good work? I'm asking myself this question. And you know what? The answer to most of those is no. Am I pleasing the Lord in every way? No, I'm pleasing Him, I believe. In every way, no. Am I growing in the knowledge of God? Yes. Can I try to increase and grow more in the knowledge of God? Yes. Are we bearing fruit in every good work? I believe I'm bearing good fruit in my life, but I believe I can bear more good fruit. Do you believe that? How many believe they're bearing good fruit in some area of their life? I would hope everyone. I believe that you are. How many people believe that more things you do in every good work, every good work could bear good fruit? And we could do something more of that. Are we living our lives in a way that always honors the Lord? I wish I could say that I did. Always. Many times, yes. Always, no. That's okay. Because I'm not perfect. But he's working on me. And the Spirit of God is working in my life. And the more I let him control what I do, the more I can love, the more I can forgive, the more I can let things go that don't matter, the more he empowers me to be a witness, the more he gives me the right things to say, the more he orders my steps, the more he organizes things for my family, the more I let the Spirit of God control my life. Everything since I have lived my life that way has gotten better and better and better. He'll do that for you. And I'm just going to ask you today, if you're a person here today that needs prayer for anything whatsoever, as they sing, I want you to come to this altar. We want to pray for you. And if there's something that you just had in one of these things that I talked about today, maybe you need to accept Jesus Christ. If you do, just walk up here. And then when somebody walks by, just tell me. I'll pray for you. We'll help you. If you want to rededicate your life today, come here and do it. There's no judgment. There's no, there's no pretense. Everybody here is in the same boat. If you have anything at all, as I'm saying, I want you to just come to this altar. If there's an area of your life, maybe it's the spiritual discipline of, of that word of God coming into your life or 